Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 103 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 14th of April 2013, entitled The Glorious Church of Jesus Christ, Part 35. And the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Okay, we'll be taking our reading this morning from Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 41 and reading through verse 47, I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word as we begin again in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Word of God says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Father, we thank you again today for this time that we can have together. Lord, thank you for the blessings that have already been ours, Lord, as we have, uh, Lord, been able to fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Lord, to hear the teaching from your word. Uh, Lord, to, to sing the songs. And now, Lord, as we come to this time of the service, uh, Lord, that is dedicated to the preaching of your word, we pray, Lord, that you would take. And Lord, and just take and use thy servant as you would see fit. Lord, we realize that it's not man that we need to hear today, uh, but, Lord, that we need to hear from on high. Uh, Lord, it's not just uh, uh, words that are written on a page, but it's your living word, Lord, that uh, through the power of your Spirit can be brought to life in each and every heart today. You know the needs of each one here. You know the soul that needs to be saved, the backslider that needs to be restored. You know the hurting Christian that needs to be strengthened. Father, you know each and every one that needs to uh, to make... Uh, uh, those commitments with their own lives, Lord, to be all that you would have them to. Whatever the need is in our life, we pray, Lord, that you would take and move in our midst, that we would be receptive, that we would act upon that which you speak to us. So we'll give you praise for it in Christ's name. Amen and amen. We've been away from our series for a few weeks with the baptismal service and then Easter. and We were away last week. But we're continuing in our service, in our series, that... Uh, I guess began a little over three years ago on, on contending for the faith. And, uh, and of course, we've been looking at the fundamentals, the foundational truths of that faith, which we're to contend for. Uh, and uh, we've been looking for uh, uh, the past year uh, at the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say, well, how can you spend that long on one subject? Well, you should have seen all the stuff we've had to leave out. Amen. Uh, God's Word is, uh, has much to say about His church, the body of Jesus Christ, uh, that is here to accomplish the work of Christ uh, on this earth. And, of course, we've been looking for, uh, in most recent weeks, at uh, uh, some of the operations of that church, the focus of the church, the funct functions of the church. We've looked at the ministry of of worship and, and uh, uh, what the uh, biblical standards are for that. We've looked at the ministry of witness, uh, and today we move on to a third operation of the church, which is the ministry of the Word. Um, now, we did back when we first uh, uh, began this, uh, this, this series, uh, the very first, if we did on those fundamentals, uh, began with a, a series entitled, The Bases of Our Faith, the inspired Word of God. Uh, what we try to gather and understand and know about God and, and what He uh, desires of us and what He wants for us and what He does for us, this is the basis of everything that we believe. It's not what any man or any denomination or any particular group, it's what God says to us in His Word. And that's the basis that our faith must be upon. Uh, so our emphasis today uh, is not going to go back and cover all those things and the importance. And, you know, this ought to be one of the very best friends that you have. You ought to have it with you all the time. I know that in some ways 
I guess modern technology has made some things easier because uh, many of you, just like myself, you'll have your whole Bible on your smartphone or your iPad or whatever it is, and you've got that uh, electronically there. And so that's really handy when you're out and you've got it with you. But uh, you know, the sad thing, sometimes it goes too far to where that we never, ever have time with our Bible, getting to know your Bible putting your notes in there, putting your marks in there, knowing where things are on the page. There's something special about that. You know, every time that I look, I'm glad that I can read it on my, on my phone or whatever, but, you know, whether I'm reading Genesis 1 or Revelation 22 or whatever, it all looks the same. Uh, let your Bible be your friend. Have it with you. Know it. Uh, treasure what you've got there and what God has given to you. And, uh, and uh, uh, thank God that he has preserved it for us for these years. Our our emphasis is not going to be on the importance of it. It's not going to be on the, 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 the doctrine of the Word of God and those things that we've already covered, all those very many important truths that, uh, that we tried to cover in some details. Let me just remind you that a few of the topics that we covered were that the Word of God was inspired. It was breathed by God Himself. It was given to us by God Himself. It is inerrant. Though men try to disprove it and try to find errors, folks, this is God's Word. It was breathed by God Himself. It is inerrant. It is infallible. It will never let you down. It's impossible for it to let you down. It's indestructible. Men have tried for centuries in all kinds of ways. They've tried to rip it up. They've tried to burn it up. They've tried to destroy it. They've tried to literally just take it out of the societies, but God's Word is still with us. It is indisputable. Uh, when God says it, that is it. Uh, we were talking some, someone, you know, the, it's, it's not meant to be a history book, a science book, but man and all of his intelligence has never, ever, ever come up with one fact to disprove even one thing in God's Word. Uh, just the opposite, as a matter of fact. And folks, we said it was inclusive. Uh, it has everything that you need. Uh, it is all of God's Word. Uh, we looked at the fact that, uh, you know, many times part of the problem with religion is it wants to start adding its bits on. Uh, and men like to be known for adding their own bits on. But this is God's Word. These 66 books that we have that have been preserved for us, and it gives us everything that we need. Now, in those messages that we covered on the eternal existence of a triune God, we saw the relationship of the Word of God to God Himself, to God the Father, to God the Son, to God the Holy Spirit. Then in a series of messages on Jesus Christ our Lord, we saw specifically how that it was the Word that became flesh and dwelt amongst us in the person of Jesus Christ Himself. That same Jesus that is the way. That is the truth and the life. In our series on God the Holy Spirit, we saw many things, and among them how that when Jesus Christ returned to the Father in heaven, that the Holy Spirit was sent to dwell with us, to dwell in us as his children, to first of all to convict us of sin through the word, through the word of God to, to, to guide us and of course, to empower us. The Bible even says to lead us into all truth. Man will try with his own intelligence, but man will never understand the depths of God's Word. Only God can show us that. We've seen in all these things the importance of the Word of God. We've seen that the church that we're talking about is the body of Christ it's made up of born-again believers. They've been bound together around this body of truth called God's Word to carry out not our work, but the work of Christ in this world. You see, the very means of coming to saving faith, for by grace are you saved through faith. Faith is the only access, but faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by what? The Word of God. Without God's Word, none of us would be Christians. None of us would have a hope. None of us would have a future. Yes, 
Jesus Christ did everything. He accomplished everything that was necessary for our salvation. But the Bible itself asks us, well, how can they believe in something that they haven't heard? It's the Word of God that tells us, that takes us to that Christ, that gives us that wonderful good news that we call the gospel. We come to saving faith. That's the only way that our name can be written in the Lamb's book of life. When we began on the church, we talked about that perspective church, that church that will be all called out together one day at the rapture when Jesus Christ comes back for his church. We talked about the only ones that are going to hear that trumpet sound, the only ones that are going to be taken up in that assembly are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But everyone's name that is there, nobody will miss the call. Nobody will miss that journey when the Lord comes back for us. We find that it's also through God's Word that we're brought into fellowship as we become Christians. This is why that, again, we've looked at all these things of the importance of coming to saving faith and then following the Lord in believers' baptism, and then becoming part of a local body, a New Testament church, not just because something, some assembly calls itself a church. We've been trying to distinguish those marks. What truly makes a church a New Testament church? We find that none of this can take place without first hearing the precious Word of God. You know, there are many tags and titles of different Christians, and thank God that, you know, one day when we get before the Lord, it's not going to be, are you a Baptist, or are you a Methodist, or are you a Pentecostal, or are you an Anglican, or are you anything else that, that you want to name the name, but are you a child of God? Have you been born again? We pick up these identifiers, and, and I'm, not a, I don't, I'm not ashamed to call myself a Baptist, and you know, one of the distinctives of that heritage that goes back centuries is the centrality of the Word of God. That's why many of those that went before us, that have passed those truths down to us, that's why many of them were willing to lay down their lives for the truths that they found in the Word of God. You know, it should be central to everything that we do. This should be central to anything that takes place within the Word of God, whether it be the work, whether it be the, the worship, the Word of God. The Word of God, it should be central to everything. I know it might really be very hard to believe, but do you know that today with all of our, anybody have a busy lifestyle? <laughs> We have such busy lifestyles, so many places to be, so many things to do. And our attention is here, and then it's here, and then it's here, and then it's here. You know, when the early Baptists came together, their worship was so centered upon the ministry of the Word. It was so important to them, the exposition of God's Word that more times than not, those times of just the preaching part of their time extended for several hours. We say, wow. We'll get ready. We'll try it this morning. See if we can go back to the old days for a while. I'll see if I can preach for several hours, and you see if you can listen for several hours. Amen. You say, preacher, that doesn't make sense. No, because the Word of God isn't central in our lives like it was theirs. Our time together as God's family is not as central in our lives as it was theirs because we've got so many distractions, so many things going on that it just gets a little chunk of our time here and there. But we find that the Word of God, whether we're at church or whether we're at home, whether we're at school or whether we're on the job, it should be central to everything that we do. 
You see, as we've looked at all these things that we're looking at, and all I want you to understand is everything that we've looked at for these three years in this, it all comes back to God's Word. Without any question, without any shadow of a doubt, we've seen that the ministry of the Word, the importance of that in our lives, it should be without question in every area of our life, in every area of our faith. You see, concerning the New Testament, everything that it is, everything that it does, God has given it to us so that it can be the basis of our faith. That's why we're talking about a New Testament church. What does God's Word say that a church is? Not what does man decide that it's going to be or what he likes best or what suits him best. We find that all of the ministries that we've looked at, that ministry of worship, that ministry of witness, and I told you unashamedly, you said, but preacher, you said that the ministry of witness was the most important, that everything that we did should focus to that point. I believe with all of our heart, that is, that's what Jesus came for, to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to die on a cross to shed his blood that men and women and boys and girls that would put their faith and trust in him could be saved. That's still his purpose. So that's still our purpose. That's what we should be here for. But that's also, I believe the only way that's going to happen is through the ministry of the Word. It's the Word that's going to take that truth to those people. It's the Word that's going to build us up. It's the Word that's going to challenge us. It's the Word that's going to strengthen us. It's the Word that is going to change our lives, and that scares us sometimes. sometimes. We don't want things to be changed too much. We maybe are a little bit frightened of change. Why would we... Consider this to be fundamental to our faith, to the functioning of a New Testament church. The ministry of the Word is so essential to what a New Testament church really is that without it, that assembly just becomes another group. They might call themselves a church. They might call themselves all kind of things. They might even be doing religious things, and they might be as sincere as they can be, but still failing to function as a New Testament church. You see, I want us to notice just a few biblical truths to emphasize to us, because I say to you this morning, I thank God for all the good that is done in this world, whether they're Christians or non-Christians. I thank God when good things are done and people are helped and those things are accomplished. But let us not confuse that with genuine Christian faith. Let us not confuse that with a true New Testament Bible-believing church. You see, we find that as we Look into God's Word, that He gives us some things that I just want to share with you that we can know without any shadow of a doubt that the ministry of the Word, you know, we can't overemphasize the exposition of God's Word, what God's Word will do to our lives. And it's not just to save us and then to leave us. It's what it will do through our lives day by day, continually, right the way throughout. It's what it will do for your life individually. It's what it will do for our church. It's what it will do for the Christian faith as a whole. You see, we see, first of all, the preciseness. You know, when something is precise, you can't miss the point. Some things can be in kind of a gray area. They can be shadowy. Well, I want you to see, first of all, that with Jesus Christ, that the ministry of the Word, that it was in the preciseness of His commission that He gives to us, that He gave to you, that He gave to me, that He gave to the church. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. How many times have we read that? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You see, it begins with teaching. It begins with the giving of the gospel, teaching them, taking them that wonderful, wonderful good news, what Jesus Christ has done for them. The commission we saw in the ministry to witness, the commission is to go, go. We need to get that. It's not a hard word. We need to go. But what do we go with? We go with the word of God, not with just our good intentions, not with just all the things that we can do. There are a lot of things that we can do to help people, and I think that the Lord is pleased with that, but not without the gospel. Whatever else we're giving them, we need to go and teach all nations. We need to teach them about Jesus Christ himself. There's only one gospel that saves. The Bible talks about other gospels, and there's people that claim all kinds of things to be the gospel, but the Bible only knows one gospel. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, the Son of God, who willingly allowed himself to be nailed to that cross, who willingly shed his blood, who was put in that grave thinking they'd defeated him, but praise God, on the third day, they found an empty tomb because he is not here. He is risen. The simple truth is, it's only what Jesus Christ did that can save anyone, but it's only through the word of God that anyone can know that. And we have been commanded by our Lord to go with that message. But we find that the next thing there is baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We've already talked about that. We've talked about the going, the giving them the gospel. We've talked about the importance of, of, of baptism and what that means in a Christian's life. But then we find that there's a second teach. Teach them all things whatsoever Christ, who is, of course, the living word, has taught us. That which has been given to us in the written word of God that's before us. You see, not only is it only through the word that someone can come to saving faith, it's only through the word that any Christian is going to grow, that any Christian is going to mature. We can somehow convince ourselves we're saved and we love God and we're living for God, and yet our Bible lays on the shelf that never we don't have time for it in our busy lives. Sadly, it becomes that way in many churches. <laughs> They've got so much time for all the other things that they want to do that makes them feel good, that they want to call worship. But there's little time given over to the ministry of the Word. You see, it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God that will cleanse you. Now, if you're going to just take a bath once a week or a little shower by coming along to church, you might be getting a little smelly by Saturday of the next week. We need to be cleansed daily by God's Word. We find that it's the Word of God, as we've already said, that not only cleanses us, but it will change us. It will make us more and more like our Savior. That's what it does. If we truly take it into our hearts, if we truly absorb it, that's what will change us. It's this ongoing work that the Bible calls sanctification, the work of God in our lives, but it only happens through the Word of God. The teaching is commanded in the same way. The teaching them to observe all things is just as much a part of the commission as the go and to teach them the gospel. You know, it's, I've always thought it'd be a bit of a tragedy you know, if you were to help someone to give birth to a new baby, but then just desert it. But so many times, that's exactly what happens to baby Christians. 
Someone with the best of intentions, you know, yes, they want to give them the gospel, but then they just desert them. That's the beginning of life. It's not the end. It's the start of a Christian life. It's God's word that they need to feed upon. You see, it's not only binding on the preacher. It's definitely binding on the preacher. It's not only binding on the other elders and teachers and deacons and those that you see as, well, they should be spiritually out there doing these things. I say it's binding upon every Christian, every believer. Everyone within the New Testament church is commanded with the same commission. It's no more binding upon one than it is upon the other. We can try to ease our conscience by putting it off, but folks, it's binding upon you in your life what's important to you. How much of it is being spent doing what God wants to do with your life instead of what you want to do with it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of Christ. Let it dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Listen. Teaching and admonishing one another. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We sang some songs about that very subject this morning. You see, the first thing before anything else can happen there, though, is the Word of God must dwell in you. That doesn't happen with printed words on a page. It happens when those printed words are made alive by the Spirit of God and they go within you, your very being. They're within you. They dwell within you. They're there. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. We find that then we have a responsibility. He says, teaching and admonishing one another. If it's not dwelling in you, it can't come out of you. It's got to be in you if it's going to come out. What is in you is what's going to come out. If it's the world, if it's the flesh, that's what others are going to see. But if it's the Word of God that's dwelling in you, oh, I know, <laughs> that will definitely make you different. <laughs> You're not going to be just one of the crowd. Say, Preacher, I don't want to stand out like a sore thumb. Well, you know, the vast majority of that, as a matter of fact, the Bible talks about this narrow way and this broad way. The vast majority of them are on that broad path. It's not leading to somewhere that I want to go. The simple truth is Jesus Christ stood out. Jesus Christ was different. If he hadn't been, you wouldn't have hope. You wouldn't have life. And if Christ is in you and if it's his words that are dwelling in you, you will be different. That's why a lot of Christians subtly, maybe not even consciously, but subconsciously, they kind of leave it on the side because they don't want to be that different. They don't want to stand out from the crowd. They want to kind of just flow along with everybody else and everything else. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. You see, if as that word comes forth, it will teach and admonish others. It can't do anything but that. God's word will not return to him void. God's word will change lives. God's word will speak to people. <laughs> of course, it teaches us many other things that we've already discussed and talked about. You know, he says here, even in our music, in our songs, that if it's God's word that's dwelling in us, then it's going to come out as we sing psalms and hymns and songs to, to each other. Remember when we talked about worship? We don't sing to entertain each other. We don't sing to please ourselves, to make ourselves feel good. We sing to please God. We sing to magnify him. When our songs, 
when it's God's word, the words of Christ that are richly dwelling in us, if that's what's coming forth from us, then that's what will be in our music. You see, when our songs are based on God's word, even our music's going to teach and admonish. It could be filled with a whole bunch of frivolous froth that means absolutely nothing, and it's not going to speak to anybody, and it's not going to change anybody. When it's the truth of God's words, we're not singing for ourselves. We're not singing to ourselves. We're not even singing to each other. He says as we sing to the Lord, to the Lord. We're lifting our hearts and voices. We're doing it for him. No matter if anybody else thinks we're on key or off key or if we're 10 or 12 notes behind or ahead of it, we're doing it for him. Oh, some of you remember old Brother Ken that was here for so many years before he went to be with the Lord. And you know, Brother Ken was always at least five or six notes off from all the rest of us. <laughs> and he was always at least a key or two off. But boy, he'd be there and he'd have that cane up in the air and he'd be singing from his heart. I mean, it'd just be pouring out of him. It didn't matter. But he wasn't in perfect key and perfect timing. Oh, he loved the Lord so much. And it come from his very inward being. I can still remember. I still think of him every time we sing Look and Live. <laughs> he loved that Look and Live. <laughs> but you see, that's, that's where our music should come from. The Word of God being in us in such a way. As we sing the truths of God's Word to him. It will build up the body. It will teach. It will bring admonition. That's not saying the singing is the only way we teach each other, but saying that even that, if, if it's the Word of God that's richly dwelling in us, it's going to come out. You're going to want to sing. We need to be singing God's Word. It should naturally flow from us, our words and our music and all that we are and do. You see, the ministry of the Word should be a function of the church in everything because Christ commanded it precisely. He didn't leave any gray area there, folks. Just as he told us to go and to teach every nation, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he also commanded just as clear, just as precise, to teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's his words to us. We also see that not only not only was it in the preciseness of the commission, but it was in the practice of the church. What do you mean, preacher? Well, look back at our text where we began in Acts chapter 2 there. <laughs> we saw many things. Then, first of all, it said, they, in verse 41, they that gladly received his word, the first thing that had to take place was the word had to go forth and they that received that word, then what happened? Were baptized. Well, that's the way he put it in the commission. Teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And then that next verse says, And they continued steadfastly in what? In the apostles' doctrine. Scary word sometimes today. People don't like doctrine. We just want to go and have a good time and enjoy ourselves and feel good about who we already are. Teachings. Same word that's translated there. That word doctrine could be translated teachings. The doctrines of God. The teachings of God. We are disciples when we're his followers. He called them disciples who are learners of God. You see... The preaching and the receiving of the word of God came first, gospel. That's salvation. The baptizing of those who received the word. The continuing in the apostles' doctrine. The discipleship, the growing. The doctrine, the teaching of the apostles was based upon what? Well, they had the written word of God at that time, the Old Testament. They had the teachings of Christ himself who they had walked with on this earth, whom he had chosen them to be the very foundation of what we're talking about, his church. And of course, they were being used under inspiration of God. 
to even pen the New Testament that we have before us today. You see, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I'm saying to you, it's the same doctrine, the same teachings we have today, the New Testament doctrine. That's what they were continuing in. That's what had to be taught. After they were saved, after they were baptized, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and their teachings. The ministry of the Word as a function in the New Testament church should be without question because of the preciseness of the commission that was given to the church, because of the practice of the early churches that obeyed that commission, that command, but also we see it in the purpose of the gifts that were given to who? To the church. We find that in both instances in our Bibles, whether you turn to to the letters being written to Corinth or the letters being written to the church at, at Ephesus, you know that both places, when the gifts are discussed, it comes right after talking about the body, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of us being together one, these gifts helping us to function and work together as one body, the body of Jesus Christ. When Christ finished his work of redemption, the chief cornerstone of this church and he chose those 12, and he laid the foundation of that church. But then he ascended back to the Father. But the Bible tells us that when he ascended up on high, that he gave gifts unto men. He gave us some gifts to his people, to his church, to his body. Look with me in the book of Ephesians. We find these words recorded for us. In Ephesians chapter 4, let's begin reading in verse 4 to get the context. He says, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth, he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. In other words, folks, everyone, Old Testament, New Testament, he set them all free. He went and led those captives free out of paradise after he had paid the price for them. And he gave gifts to those of us that he left here, this body that he had left here, it says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive the speaking the truth in love. May grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We could say a lot of things, but we talked a whole lot about that when we looked at the Holy Spirit, these gifts. I want to remind you solely, simply, listen. The gifts were given to the body, to individuals within the body that make that one body that we might all be one unified body. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, literally they're literally teaching pastors. Why did Christ do that? 
he goes on to explain us so that we can mature and grow and not be tossed about by all these different teachings that come out and, and they all claim to be right and they all claim to be Christian. The expository preaching of the Word of God, not just pulling some subject out of the air and deciding to say what we want to say about it. Let God's Word teach us verse by verse by verse, word by word by word. We find that I won't turn there because you'll be familiar with the scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 3. The qualifications are given for a bishop, an elder, a pastor, if you would. Those are the things that are required. The last three words of verse 2 says, apt to teach. Apt to teach. If you're not able to teach, then you're not able to fill that position. Because the ministry of the Word of God, this is why He's given these gifts to the church. That the body might be built up, that they might be strengthened, that they might be literally given that which they need from God's Word. We could turn and we won't for the sake of time. We could find in Paul's teaching to Corinth concerning the spiritual gifts there. Do you know what? He makes absolutely no doubt that is paramount above all those gifts that he talks about is the gift of prophecy. Now you might recall that when we looked at that subject of spiritual gifts, we talked about this gift of prophecy, the foretelling of God's Word. It can mean giving God's Word to His people as through the prophets of old. It could be through God using and inspiring as He did to give His Word through men. It can be through the Holy Spirit using God's Word that we have to tell forth that word that God has given to us. And of course, that's the gift of prophecy that we have today. Not new knowledge. You can't, you can't trust. The Bible says your own heart is deceitful above all things. Have you ever had somebody with, I don't mean it to be nasty. I mean with the best of intentions. And they're a lovely person. And they love you and you love them and all these good things. And they come up and they tell you, well, God told me to tell you that this is what you need to do. Now, I'm all for wisdom. But folks, you can't trust your own thoughts, your own heart, let alone, I'm saying there's one thing and one thing alone that must be based upon, our lives must be based upon, our walks must be based upon, our decisions must be based upon, and that is the Word of God which He's given to us. Let God speak to you clear. Yes, He gives us people. But I, I, I have, you know, I just, you know, I believe that if God wants me to know something, that he's preserved all of his word for me that I have here before me. He's put his Holy Spirit within me. And God's able to talk to me and I'm able to hear him. Matter of fact, he says that his sheep will know his voice. I'm just saying be careful. If you can't support it by the word of God, be careful what you listen to. Be careful what advice you take. I don't care how genuine and sincere it is. Be careful. We find that we see clearly in these chapters 12 to 14 that all the gifts are to be used for the edification of the whole without exception. Chapter 13 specifically teaches the importance of love in the use of any spiritual gift. If you take away the love, then it's absolutely useless. I don't care if it's the best or the worst. Without love, it's worth nothing. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. Then that entire chapter focuses around the importance of the gift of prophecy, of forth-telling God's Word. What do we conclude from that? Christ has given gifts to His body. All the gifts, past, present, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teaching pastors, they're all for the ministry of the Word. You know, God gives an evangelist. Well, the only way an evangelist is going to evangelize is through speaking forth God's Word, the ministry of the Word, the gospel, teaching pastors, prophets. It all comes back to God's Word. That's what He's given us, those gifts. They first had the apostles. He gave us our New Testament. We find that through the Holy Spirit, he gives spiritual gifts to the church. They're to be 
exercised in love for the edification of the whole body. The greatest of all the spiritual gifts, he says, is the gift of prophecy, the gift of ministering God's Word. The ministry of the Word is probably more important than any of us can even begin to realize and understand. We certainly see its importance through the preciseness of the commission that Christ gave to His church, through the practice of the early church in obeying and following His command, through the very purpose of the gifts that He's given to that body, to His church, to function as it ought to. And I want to give you this one final point. We see it through the pointedness, the pointedness of the messages given to the churches in Revelation. Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, we find that these were given to seven local churches. They were real churches in their day, but they were also given prophetically. They also represent churches right down through the ages. You can find in every age some of those churches, but you can find that they're representative of different church age where undoubtedly we're in that last lukewarm Laodicean church age as a whole. But God help us not to be a Laodicean church. You see, there's one message, one message that is common to all seven of those churches that were meant for them, yes, but is meant for us today just as surely you know what those words? You'll find these words in every one of them. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Every, that's the only thing that was told to everyone, all seven churches. If you've got an ear, listen to what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is saying to the churches, and the Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God, not through your emotions, he speaks God's word. He brings that word alive. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You see, from the best church to the worst church, from the ones that were walking the closest to the Lord and the most like Christ to those that were the farthest away, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You see, in the end, it's what God says to us. Whatever our situation, wherever we are in the spectrum of churches, we need to listen to what God is saying to us. Three of those churches were specifically rebuked in relation to the Word, in relation to either things that were being taught in their churches that should not have been being taught or things that were not being taught that should have been being taught. Three of them, specifically within the teaching of the church, there were wrong things being taught and there were right things that were not being taught. They were rebuked for that. Pergamos, Thyatira, and Sardis were all guilty of that. And you know the faithful Philadelphian church, you know what it was specifically commended for? Brother Chris, for keeping his word. <laughs> for keeping his word. And they were encouraged to hold fast to what they had. They were encouraged for keeping it. They were encouraged to hold on to what they had and not to lose it because it's easily done. You see, the point we need to see here is the importance in any church because those churches there represent all churches everywhere. The ministry of the Word of God, hearing what the Spirit is saying to us. Any church that's not willing to hear what God is speaking to them through the Spirit is saying, we want big trouble because <laughs> we only got one other way to go, and that's man's way. And God speaks through the Word of God. And that's where there's much confusion today because people are listening to all of man's voices. And because man says that it's God, that doesn't make it God. 
It might be right. It might be wrong. I'm not his judge. God's word is the only judge. That's the only thing that we have that is absolutely concrete, will not change, will not lead us wrong. It cannot lead us wrong. And therefore, that's where God will speak to us. I can get up here and tell you things that are wrong. I wouldn't do that for the world intentionally. But I'm a human being. I'm not infallible. Only God's word is. Christ loved the sinner enough to die for him. The church. He laid down his life for the church so that it might exist, so that we might be here because it's only through us coming through the gospel, through his paid price, that we can become part of his body, the church. He loved us enough to establish the church, to lay its foundation, to give gifts to that church for its building up, for its betterment, so that every single member, regardless of who they are or where they're from, they can grow and they can be protected from all of the vile things around us, the pitfalls, the dangers that we face every day. The ministry of the Word is essential. Listen to me, to every Christian's welfare. Devil's wanting to get you. I don't care who you are, how short or how long a time you've been saved, the devil wants you. And there's a lot of traps laid out there. And they can be so subtle, they can seem so unimportant at the time. Those choices, that decision to do this or not to do this, to go here, not to go there. Folks, you can have the best intentions in the world. You can love the Lord from the very depths of your heart. But if you're trying to go through this life on your intellect, on your good intentions, on your past and all that you've been taught, <coughs> thank God for it. But that's not what's going to get you through today and tomorrow. Oh, yes, those things build. Hopefully you'll become more and more and more mature. You build on those things, line upon line, precept upon precept. God's Word, it'll get you through. God's word is what will build you up. We find that we know that unfortunately the ministry of the word is just simply not as important as it ought to be to too many Christians. Look around. I'm not being mean. Look around at all the empty seats this morning. Now we know that some people would love to be here and they're not able to because something serious enough has genuinely kept them away. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say that a lot of those empty seats are not because people couldn't be here, just because they wouldn't. They've made that choice. You see, it happens every Sunday. We find that, I don't know, some seemingly have the idea that it's just not that important for their Christian walk. You know, they can be just as good and just as strong a Christian. They can walk just as well through this world without sitting under the ministry of the Word. Well, maybe they've heard so many sermons and been in so many lessons that they already know everything they need to know. Just aren't going to get anything important enough that I have to be there today. Perhaps they just simply figure they can get on on their own and just, just simply don't need it. <laughs> it's not going to do anything for them. Of course, there are also those that make a show of it and they turn up and their bodies are sitting on a seat and they're warming that place. They have no intention of listening to what God is really saying to them certainly not responding to it. They're present in body, but their minds and their spirits are way out there somewhere else. I don't know. I guess some people know more than I do for sure, but some people seem to know more than Christ knows. Uh, you see, he's the one that designed it this way. Um, it was so important to him, to Jesus Christ. Now, this... You see, you can, you can blame it on the preacher all you want, but I'm saying that it was Jesus Christ that gave that command to teach them all things. The church, 
Matter of fact, it was so important to him that in order for it to be effective, he's the one that gave gifts to that church. Yes, on an individual basis, they could be built up, they could be edified, and the simple truth is, if that part of the body's not there, then the rest of the body's not being edified by it. Nobody's wasted space. Everybody is gifted to be a part of that body in some way, to add to it. Too many times we come to church for what we want and what we can get out of it. Folks, that's all wrong. First of all, we come to worship him, and we come to edify the other person. You shouldn't be here today because that you're going to die and go to hell if you don't turn up, but somebody else might die and go to hell because you didn't turn up. Some other Christian may stumble and fall. It might have just been your smile, your little word, because you're there to edify somebody else. So the next time you're thinking about leaving that empty seat, why not think about what it's doing to the other person that might be there that Sunday that just might need your gift? Because if you're part of the body, God's got you there for a reason. You're just as important as the preacher behind the pulpit. God's got us all there to work together as one whole. And we're never going to be effective when we keep staggering along as a cripple. Some people just don't find it important enough I don't say that to be mean. It breaks my heart. This is Christ's design. He makes it clear. The ministry of his word, it is essential. It is an absolute essential function of any New Testament church and any New Testament church that doesn't make it central to what it's doing, then I'm sorry. It might be a church, but it's not a New Testament church. It's not. Because that's not the way it's designed. and That's not what it's supposed to be. That's not what it's supposed to do. I want to ask you this on a personal basis as we close. You see, do you allow God's word to minister to you? Can I say the one, the one message that went to every church? He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, unto Bethel Free Baptist Church on what's today, the 14th of April, 2013. That same message is just as appropriate today. It's not my words you need to hear. It's not the words of any man. But it is essential that you hear the word of God. It is essential that you listen to what the Spirit is saying to you through God's Word. Lost friend, if you're here, I don't care how much religion you've had. I don't care how serious you've done. I don't care what you've done. If you've never humbled yourself as a sinner, sought forgiveness, the only place you can get it, that's at the foot of the cross. Jesus Christ paid for your sins. He's the one that shed the blood you've not done that today, then maybe it's the Spirit is saying to you, come unto me. Come unto me. Christian, what's the Spirit saying to you today? Whether you've heard anything that this preacher said, what about God's Word? What is the Spirit saying to you? You see, is there something in your life that the Spirit is trying to get a hold of you because He wants you to be a stronger Christian. He wants you to be a happier Christian. There's not anybody here that the Spirit is saying anything to you that'll make you worse off, that'll make you weaker, that'll make you unhappy, that'll make you hurt more. It's impossible. God wants the very best for you, and he's paid the price for that. What's he saying to you this morning? You see, you'll make a choice today too. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Are you closing off your ears? You, you, you ever seen the little, little kids sometimes when you start telling them something they don't want to hear? They stick their fingers in their ears. You know, they don't want to hear it. No, no. You don't want them to do something or you're going to say, no, no, no. Well, spiritually, we do that a lot of times. We want to stick our ears, stick our fingers in our ears. We don't want to hear what he's saying. But if you've got ears this morning, spiritual ears, hear what the Spirit's saying to you through God's Word. 
He wants something better for you. He wants you to be strong. He's given all these things, but see, he's given them to us, but then we push them aside and we don't, we don't commit ourselves to them as he did. God's got a place for you today. We're going to sing a closing hymn. I forget what the hymn number is in the, uh, in the hymnal there. 293. Ask me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. You see, the simple truth is today is the Spirit wants to speak to you individually. Will you respond today? If you're here and you're lost, we would love to take God's Word and show you how you can know that you're saved, that your sins are forgiven, that you're on your way to heaven. Christian, have you got struggles? Has God spoken to you in some way? Has God's Word had the place it ought to have in your life? Maybe today you need to make some fresh commitment. Maybe the Spirit is showing you something and saying something to you. God wants to help you, and if we can help you, we will. If you want somebody to pray with, if you want to talk with somebody, there's no shortage of time for that. So today, I would simply say to you, as Christ said to all the churches, through his word, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. As we stand, as we sing together, if you'd like to come, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, do so. If you want to come and sit on the front, somebody will be happy to join you and pray with you. We're not here to make a show. We're not here to do anything. But we don't want you to walking back through that door with the same burden that you came in with. The Lord's here to take that from you today. As we stand, and as we sing together. Mm-hmm.